So good to see all of you here this morning. I know we've been uh, kind of snowed out. Not we were we, we had the church open, but a lot of people couldn't make it and everything. And so, before I begin, let me just say that January giving wise is not a very good month. How good do you think it is when there's two snowstorms in a row on a Sunday, right? So uh, please remember your giving. Um, we don't pass around the offering plate, but there's, there's offering boxes here by the other door. There's a giving station out in the foyer. You can go online, go to grace-chapel.com and give there. Just want to keep things moving forward. At the end of 2018, uh, we did really well. So we, we shot over budget, so we're good. Um, but I just want to keep 19 going, moving forward, and, uh, and I'm sure that will, will happen. Okay, so every once in a while in the service... Um, I want you to participate a little more. So I say, get it. And you say, and I say, good. Let's try that again. Get it. Good. And I want, I want some enthusiasm behind the got it part. All right. So we are in second Timothy chapter four, verses six and seven. It says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This morning, we're continuing our series, Hallmark. Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. And you have to ask yourself, what does it mean? What is a hallmark? Well, a hallmark is a distinguishing characteristic or trait. How will people, what will be the hallmark of your life when you leave this world What will be the hallmark of your life? What will be the legacy that you leave behind? In this series, we talk about hallmark being a a, a characteristic, right? A specific characteristic or trait that we have. But in this series, it means also um, consciously, consciously deciding how we're going to live our lives every day. Thinking through our interactions with one another. How you interact with people at school, how you interact with people at work, how you interact with people at home, your specific characteristics, you consciously decide how I'm going to live each and every day. It means that we live in such a way that we impact and we influence the people around us. Consciously thinking through how we're doing that. What legacy will we leave? The people around us, not only the people around us now, but the people who will come after us. How do we influence? How do we impact the people who are going to come after us? I'm a big movie buff. I'm very particular in movies that I'll watch, but I love westerns. I love westerns. And a new movie came out, well, 2016, called The Magnificent Seven. I like the original. I also like the 2016 version. In this version, there's a scene. A scene where the group comes together and they're trying to find the legendary mountain man, this legendary mountain man named Jack Horn. And in the scene that I'm I'm referring to, uh, they come to his home, if you will, and they're they're talking to him and they're trying to talk talk him into joining them to fight this Bartholomew Bow guy who has an army of people. He takes over a town, kills people if they don't do what he says. And so a woman goes and kind of hires these guys to come back and take back the town. And so they're asking him, would he like to join that effort? And, and as they're talking, uh, Faraday, one of the main characters played by Chris Pratt, says to Jack Horn, the government doesn't pay a bounty on redskins anymore. You must be out of work. 
And you see Jack Horn's face, and he just lowers his head. And when he, when he raises his head back up, he says to the main character, Sam Chisholm, played by Denzel Washington, he looks at Denzel Washington, looks at Sam Chisholm, and he says, I guess that's a part of my story, ain't it? I guess that's a part of my story, ain't it? And Sam says back to him, yeah, it is. It's a hallmark. It's a hallmark. That is Sam Horn's hallmark. It's his hallmark. We are, we, are, we, are, we are living a legacy, whether we like it or not. What is all our hallmark going to be? What is our legacy going to be? Because again, we're living that legacy, whether we like it or not. The reality is everyone here is leaving a legacy. Every single person here is leaving a legacy. It's not, it's not an option. It's not an option for any of us. I am leaving a legacy. I am living out my life and how I live my life. That's the legacy I'm going to leave. The only question is, it's not an option whether it's going to happen. It's the only, the only question is, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? When your life is over, Paul says, that, and the time of my departure is at hand. When the time of your departure is at hand, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Even if you try to avoid it, the truth is right now you are working on the legacy every single day in every interaction you have. You are writing the legacy that you're going to leave. You're writing the story that you're going to leave. What will be the hallmark of my life? What will be the hallmark of your life? Do you want to be known? Think about it. You say, well, I, yeah, I, I want to be known. As, I want to be the wealthiest person that, you know, that ever lived. Or I want to be, is, it, is that what your hallmark is going to be? You want to leave, you want to leave a hallmark. You want to leave a, a, a legacy of wealth. I want to be the, you know, my, my legacy is my appearance. My appearance is everything. I want to be the most famous person. Fame is my legacy. Honestly, when, the, when it comes to the end, is that what you want? Is that all you want to be remembered for? Is your wealth or your fame or your power or your appearance? Or is that what you, is that what you want to be remembered for? Now, here's why this is so important. This whole idea of living a legacy and leaving a legacy. Why it's so important to the kingdom of God. Your children... Your children will be equipped with what you leave them. My children, my grandchildren, my children first will be equipped with what I leave them. For so many of us, we go through life's battles, honestly, in many ways, unarmed or poorly armed. Because of the, the, the legacy that came before us, the people that came before us did not prepare us for the battles that we were going to face in life. We were unarmed going into those battles or we were poorly armed going into those battles. Our grandfather or our grandmother or our mother or our father have left, they've left us with very little, little, little to fight life's battles with, if you will. They left so many of us unarmed as parents. You know what, before I say, one of the saddest things that I've experienced as a pastor is to realize that sometimes, sometimes growing up like I did without a dad is better than growing up with a really bad one. Because not only are you left unarmed or poorly armed, 
but you're left with wounds. You're going into the battle with wounds and scars. So now not only do you have to overcome the, you have to add to and strengthen yourself so that you're ready for the battle. You don't only have to overcome that. You have to overcome what was left behind. The struggles, the wounds, the scars, the frustrations, the hurts, the lies. You have to overcome that. I'm saying that because as we sit here this morning, all of us are still breathing. If you've made mistakes, I don't want to discourage you this morning. Because I'll tell you right now, all you need to do is turn that around and start to live the life that God has called you to live, to become that example, to be that example, to start living out a legacy that you want to leave for your children. And really the worst case scenario is they look and say, you know, mom or dad, they didn't, they didn't do it right for the first few years of my life, but they turned it around. They turned it around, did everything they could to grow spiritually themselves, to grow emotionally themselves. And I watched someone go from an impatient person to a patient person. I watched someone go from an angry person to a person who can hold their temper. What an example for you to set. So it's never too late. It's not too late. The legacy you leave will become the legacy they live and will in turn become the basis for the legacy they end up leaving. Let's leave them with a strong foundation. That's what I'm saying. We need to follow, we need to follow Paul's example as Paul followed the example of Christ and let our children follow our example so we set a foundation from which they can launch and we give them something to fight with. We give them the tools to go into battle and fight the enemy. We can overcome our past. We can overcome our past. That's not going to hold us back. All I'm saying now is if we're alive and breathing, let us, let us invest in the lives of people around us and give them a stronger foundation. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I mean inheritance. The Bible talks far beyond just money. It's talking about character. It's talking about integrity. It's talking about those intangible things. It's talking about living a life that honors God that you can pass on to the next generation. And if you pass on to the next generation, if they're wise, they'll pass it on to the generation after. That's what he's talking about here. People don't realize the power they have to influence the future for good or for bad. Sometimes we don't realize. We just go through life. That's why I said we are consciously deciding how we're going to interact with other people. We are consciously deciding the words that we use in different conversations. And when we make the mistake of using the wrong words or taking the wrong actions, we're consciously aware that we did. And we go back and apologize for those things and try to make it right. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about when we fall short, we set an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and apologize for the things that we've done wrong and set that example for our children. But we have to understand we have power. For, we have power. We have so much power when it comes to influencing the next generation, future generations. I'm not sure if this is a, uh, a legend or it's true, but they asked Martin Luther one time, What would you do if you knew you were going to die tomorrow? And Martin Luther said, uh, I thought about it for a second. He said, I go out and plant an apple tree. Go out and plant an apple tree. What what is is that about? He's talking about leaving a legacy that would grow on and on and on into the future beyond this world. Beyond this world. 
Because we're going to move from this world to another world, to a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to matter. What we do now is going to matter. It matters how we impact. What we say and do now echoes in eternity for good or maybe not so good. We need to be thinking, if it's our last day, what will we do? We're going to go and plant an apple tree. How we live, the choices we make matter. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. he says, Your works in the Lord are not in vain. They're not in vain. The things that you do on this earth are going to echo in eternity. The things you do now are going to matter later. It all matters. In this series... This is what it's all about. This is what we're talking about. If you want to leave a legacy worthy of being followed, think about it. If you want to leave a legacy worthy of being followed, then you need to live a legacy worthy of being followed. And that's an everyday experience. We need to decide. And don't let Satan discourage you this morning and start speaking into your heart and saying, you've already, it's too late for you. It is not. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not too late for you. It's never too late for you to finish what God has started in your life. Now, in everything we say, in everything we do, in all of our experiences, we're going to leave that legacy. Get it? No. Get it? Okay, so that's why we have to think. We need to be thinking this way. We need to be walking this way. We need to be talking this way. And it brings us back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The time of his departure is near, and that's what he writes. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. As Paul reflects on the end of his life, he makes three key statements about his legacy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished, finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice what he doesn't say. End of his life. Wants everybody to know what matters to him. My time has come. What matters to me? Notice what he doesn't say. Let me explain to you guys how educated I am. Let me, tell, let me talk about my education. I was, I was raised up this way and went to this Jewish thing. I, he go through, he's gone through that spiritually. He's, he's gone through that in the Word of God, explaining in different contexts. In this context, at the end of his life, when he's thinking about legacy, he doesn't bring up education. Okay? You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't bring up his writing, how many, how, how prolific his writing was and how influential his writing. He doesn't bring up how many churches he, he started, how many churches he planted. That's not what he talks about. Doesn't talk about education. Doesn't talk about how many churches he planted. Doesn't talk about the, his, his prolific writing. What does he say? He gives us three. He speaks clearly. He gives us three simple yet profound statements. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This letter is Paul's last before he's killed in A.D. 67. This was the last thing. This was the last letter he wrote. And it speaks to the heart of who he was and what he cared about, how he lived. He had an an unwavering faith in Jesus Christ and a deep abiding love for Jesus. 
His faith was unwavering and his love for Christ was all encompassing. If we're going to live a legacy, we need to follow his lead. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. If we're going to live, if, if all of us are sitting here this morning, and you can go back and get the other sermons if you missed them to catch up a little bit. But if we're going to live a legacy, we need to follow his lead. Follow his lead. We need to, number one, fight the good fight. We need to fight the good fight. If you want to leave a legacy, you need to realize, you, we all need to just realize this, we are in a war. We're in a war. When I was a baby Christian, I thought, when I first got saved, I thought that I'm kind of in peacetime. And then every once in a while, a war will break out. A spiritual battle will come. And I'll, I'll go against the spiritual battle, and then I'll go back to peacetime. As I got older, I realized, no, 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 no. I'm in a war. And I fight battles in that war. Every once in a while, there's peacetime. And then the peacetime may go on for a while. I don't know about you, when there's that peacetime in my life, I pray for one more day. I'm like, Lord, just one more day, one more day. I'm ready to go to battle, but one, just give me one more day of peace. We are in a war. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. This should remind every Christian that in every, every Christian life, there's going to be battles. We are in a war. There's going to be battles. We're going to be battling against evil, evil outside in the world around us, evil in the spiritual places, evil in our own hearts. It is a constant spiritual battle internally to overcome the evil that if I, like I said before, some, maybe you're so angry. There's such sin in your list there that you get angry and you sin. And it's been that way for so long and you need to fight that spiritual battle in your heart. Those spiritual battles are all around us. They're all around us. We are soldiers in a spiritual war. Paul says that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. He reminds Timothy, he says, to endure hardship as a good soldier in, of Christ Jesus. You're going to have to endure hardship as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. If you gave your life to Christ, you signed up to be a good soldier, to fight those spiritual battles, to do what's necessary to drive the kingdom of God forward. The Greek word here, translated fought means to engage in conflict we need to be ready to engage in conflict that's what paul writes that's what he's saying the word is used in the context of of basically competing uh, in a in a athletic event or or engaging in a in a in a, in a battle in a in a military conflict so it's engaging in a in a, an athletic event or engaging in a military conflict. That's what the word means in this context. We need to be prepared to live a legacy means to live and it means to fight to the end, pushing the kingdom of God forward. It means we live, live our lives. Listen to this one. We live our lives from end to beginning, not beginning to end. 
You start thinking. You've got to think differently. You need to life, live your life from end to beginning, not beginning to end. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that you need to decide. You need to think about the end of your life. Who do you want to be? What will be the hallmark of my life? What will be my legacy? What will people say about me? I need to decide that now. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am not confused at all about my identity. I'm not confused at all about my purpose. I know exactly why I was created and I am going to when I'm laying in my deathbed as an old man I know who I'm going to be and now I live every single day to make sure I become the person who I've decided to be that's what it means I live from the end to the beginning I don't go through life hoping and wishing and being sidetracked I know who I want to be in Christ I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ That's what I want. I want to glorify God with my life. And now I live my life to that end. Every single day thinking, how do I become that person? How do I live out that life? In the end, my life should reflect Christ to other people. My life should glorify God in everything I do. My life should build the kingdom of God in all of my actions, my words, my thoughts should be building the kingdom of God. Everything else here. Let me just get this is important, especially if you're younger. Okay, you say my hallmark is going to be again. I, I want I want to be wealthy, man. I want to have the fastest car and the biggest house. I want to go anywhere I want a vacation and I want all these things. And You lay them all out and I want that and I want this. And I say to you, it is basically window dressing. You say, what do you mean? I say it's meaningless what you just said. I want this and I want to have that and I want to be the richest. And I want to be the most attractive. I want to have this. I want to be the most famous. I say to you, it is completely meaningless. Let me tell you what Paul says it is. Okay, he says it is a pile of dung. What you just spoke is a pile. I want you to get the picture here. It's a nice, cool morning along the you're driving down the road and there's cows out there. And one of them decides to take a dump, like we say dump in church. Okay. He decides to take, and you drive by and you see, you see smoke coming out of smoldering poo poo. Okay. He uses the word dung. That's what he says. He says, if your, if your hallmark, if your life ambition, if it's your desire to live that, I want this and I want that and here's what I want. I want to be the rich. I want to be famous or whatever else. If you become those things and you glorify God through them, fantastic. But if that's your goal, here it is, picture it, smoldering heap, a little smoke coming out of it. That's what he says. It's dung. It's worthless. It's window dressing. Why bother? Your life is completely and utterly meaningless. That means that we need to think through our interactions with other people. It means that we need to sacrifice our needs for the needs of others. It means that we need to put on the armor of God and we need to pick a fight We need to pick an internal fight. We need to pick an external fight. It means that I fight my sinful urges. My sinful urges, my sinful desires, the things that you, we all have these besetting sins, right? Maybe you struggle with lying. Maybe you struggle with stealing. Maybe you struggle with using foul language. Maybe you struggle with lust. Maybe you struggle. That's your besetting sin. It means that you fight against those urges. It means you battle, you battle, you grab a sword, you battle with your temptations. You go into battle with them. It says that you conquer. It means you conquer your weaknesses, It means you overcome, you're an overcomer. You overcome your limitations. All the things that Satan is speaking to your mind right now. He's saying he's not talking to you. 
He's talking to everyone else. He's not talking to you. You know who you are. That's what Satan says. You know who you are. You know what you've done. You know what you've gone through. He's not talking to you. And I say that is a lie. I am talking to you. You need to overcome your limitations. You need to overcome your weaknesses. You need to conquer those things. You need some of you, honestly, some of you from childhood have Satan has woven in fears to the fabric of your being. Something happened to you as a child and it has overwhelmed you. And you think I could never, I could never, I could never. That's your language. I could never. I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not smart enough. And the, and the enemy is just pouring that into you. You need to conquer, destroy, annihilate your fears. I, I want to encourage you, whatever you're afraid of, go and do it. I don't care if you're even good at it. Go and do it. It's not a matter if you're, oh, I was fantastic at that. That doesn't matter. If you just go and do it, go and do it. Go and do it. Conquer that fear. Remember what we said last week, the quote from last week. The devil said to the warrior, you could never, you are in trouble. You will never withstand the storm that's coming. You'll never survive the storm that's coming. It, it, Satan's saying to you, if you listen to this guy, he's all worked up. Okay, he's all worked up. But if you listen to him, I'm going to hit you. You will never withstand the storm that's coming. But the warrior said back, I am the storm. I am the storm. Why? Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me, that is in you, than, than is in the world. There's nothing who can stand up against a person who's filled with the spirit of the living God, with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flowing through their veins. There's nothing that can stand up against you. But we cower in fear. We cower in fear because we were lied to as children. You're not a child anymore. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. Instead of being beaten, it maybe it's time for you to put on the shoe and you do some. You do some kicking. We need to stand up and fight. We need to stand up. That's what this passage is all about. Each day, every moment needs to be captured by thought. Every moment of our lives and every single day needs to be captured by thoughts of Jesus Christ and who he has called me to be and who he has created me to be. I had a slow start, people. I, you, whatever words, whatever slow start you want to think of, I had a slow start educationally. I had a slow start. I had a slow start. I had a slow start because of the circumstances of my life. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 17 years old, all of a sudden I realized who I was. And I overcame my fears. And how I overcame my fears? Someone would ask me to do something and I would just like, oh man, I want to be a ministry, but I don't know if I could do a wedding or I don't know if I could do this or if the Satan was like, you're never going to be able to, oh, you're going to get up and read in front of people. You're going to stumble. You're going to, oh, remember in school? Remember when you were in second grade? Remember in third grade and they asked you to come up and read and you stumbled and mumbled and it was embarrassing for you. Can you imagine trying that in front of all oh, a bunch of adults and how they'll think about you? You know what I did? You know what I did? I decided that whatever I was afraid of, I was going to do. I didn't need to pray about it. I didn't need to think about it. If I had fear, I did it. I just chose to do it. What kind of enemy, what kind of strategy is that for the enemy when they're trying to get you to be afraid or not do something and every time they make you feel afraid, you do the opposite? Is that a good strategy after a while? 
No. Not at all. Because as you grow spiritually, you're not concerned about what everybody else thinks anyway. And not only that, but once you get up 40,000 times and read or get up 40,000 times and speak, you get, you know, pretty comfortable. My heart's not beating at all here, guys. I don't have butterflies. I'm not nervous. I'm sweating. I'm going to moving around. I was talking to the CrossFit people. I said, you guys have nothing on me. I'm going to make a video of like a pastor video of a workout. It's like, it'll be like, you know what I mean? You walk across the stage. I'm always waving my hands. I burned like 4,000 calories just up here preaching, right? Amen. Amen. Exactly. Going to make a video. You guys are going to buy it. Another business tree will make a lot of money. So Paul says, love Paul, he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, for me, listen to these words. See, this is what you have to grasp. Throw out your sissy Christianity and throw out your carnal Christianity and throw out your whatever Christianity. And listen to what Paul says. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are we willing to die for Jesus Christ? And I'm not asking you if you're willing to physically die. I'm asking you something even more difficult. Are you willing to die to self now here on earth? Are you willing to die to yourself, to all the things that pull on you and all your selfishness and the things that you want to do and you want to be first? And are you willing to die to self? Are you willing to die to your needs, to your desires, to your wants, and honestly, to your plans? That's hard. I get plans in my mind and I feel God should just come alongside me and go along for the ride because I have fantastic plans. Am I willing to die to self? Am I willing to die to my own plans? Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. He says this. For you died. Listen to the, listen to the theology behind this. If you ask Christ to come into your life, listen to what this says. When you asked him to come into your life, it says, For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, not as your... Listen to me. He's not your hobby. He's not a thing that comes second. He's not a genie in a lamp that you rub to get what you want. It says, you died when Christ, who is your life, appears. Then you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ is who is your life, who's your very life appears. And then it says this, listen to this. It says, put to death, therefore, put it to death, eliminate it. Remember I said, crush it, destroy it, overcome it, battle with it, fight with it. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. Honestly, put it to death. I don't care what the culture tells you. God's word has not changed. It says in Ephesians, let there not be a hint, a hint. Go, don't take my word for it. Go look up what a hint means. It says, let not be a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to, you used to walk in these ways before you knew Christ. In a life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. We need to fight the good fight. That's what he's saying. Fight the good fight. Get it? Good. Number two, he says, finish the race. I need to fight the good fight. I need to finish the race. The word finish here 
means that we achieve a goal, that we fulfill our purpose. We finish the race. We fulfill the goal. What is the goal, right? You start at the end and then you become every day. You work to becoming the person that you are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You want to glorify God. You want to build the kingdom of God. Anything else outside of that you do on your own outside of Christ is dumb. So he says, I need to fight the good fight. Then he says, I need to finish the race. I need to reach the goal that Christ has set for me. I need to fulfill my purpose. The point here, think about this. The point of a race course is that there's a finish line or else you can just, I can, I can, let's have a race. Where do you want, where's it going to go to? How many miles? I don't know. Just keep running. There's an end. 20 miles. Okay. 20 miles. A marathon. If a 40 yard dash, there is a finish line in whatever dash you're doing, whatever, whatever, whatever you're doing, wherever you're running, there is a finish line because a race course has a finish line. For many of us, we have, we started off really strong and all of a sudden we've fallen off. And Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, you are running so well. You are running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were doing great. What happened? What happened? Battles, right? You got scarred. You prayed. God didn't do what you wanted him to do. You prayed for something. He didn't answer the way you wanted him to. You're ticked. You'll come. You'll, come. You'll sit there. But you're not, you're, you're, you're pretty, you're, you don't want to, you don't want to back out completely because you're kind of a little nervous about what's going to happen later on. But so you sit here, but honestly, you're, you're, you're done. He, he didn't do what you asked. He didn't do honestly what you told him to do. So now you're, you're, you're just kind of, hmm. Or you got beat so badly in a couple of different spots that you're like, gosh, stepping out in faith, I attract attention. I get kind of beat up. I'm not going to do that anymore. So you stopped. You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Some of you need to get back into the race. Simple as that. Honestly, that's what God is saying. That's not what I'm saying. God is saying you need to get back into the race. There's a finish line and you need to cross it. You need to get back into the race. He's saying some of you, for some of you, you may need to let go of some old hurts. You're, you got some old hurts going on in your life. You need to let those go. I know you, you have every right to feel the way you're feeling. I'm not taking that away from you. But at a certain point, you have to ask yourself the question, now what? I have been hurt in other churches, so I'm going to sit, but I'm not going to participate because I've been hurt down the, in the past. So therefore, I still love God. Not sure about the rest of you, and I want to be here, you know, but I'm not going to. And you know what? God is saying, I know you've been hurt, but it's time for you to step back up and get in the race. I, I, I called you to finish the race. Others may need, honestly, sincerely, you need to repent. You need to repent of some of the things you're engaged in right now because that is sidetracking you and keeping you from finishing what God has called you to do. You need to repent and you need to move forward again. I'm going to say, I've done this a ton of times. I'm going to say it again. You're sitting, you're standing here and you're thinking, oh, I've done so many things. I've wronged. I've I've screwed up this way. I've messed up that way. I've done this. And and you you feel like you've walked so far away from God, right? You've, You've walked away from the Lord for months, maybe years, and you've walked away and you think, God is so distant from me right now. But here's the reality. You're walking away from God when you repent, okay, and you turn around, he's right there. He's been with you the whole time. He didn't leave you. You may feel like you're walking away from him, but you can walk away as far as you want. The moment you're on your knees and you ask God to forgive you, turn around. He's right there giving you a kiss on the cheek. God's right there with you, buddy. I never left you. It's good. You done? 
You done whatever you needed? Yep, I'm done, Lord. Okay, get back on your feet. Oh, let's brush you off. Let's get you back on the let's get you back on that track. You gotta finish a race. There's a race that I have for you. You need to finish. I know some of you have fallen down. And I know some of you have fallen down hard. I'm not saying in sin you've done terrible things. I'm saying you've fallen down based upon all the things that may have happened in your life. And you've hit the ground hard. And you may feel like at this point you had been beaten and the enemy has won. But you need to remember in the Christian life, the only way a Christian can lose and not finish the race is if they give up. That's the only way we lose is if we give up, if we quit. It's never too late to finish the race. You may be thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I hear you, and I I want to, but I don't have the strength. I have good news for you. Good news, okay? You don't have to do it in your own strength. You don't have to do it in your own strength. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 13, it basically says, I can do all things through... Say it again. I can do all things through... Who strengthens me, right? I can do, it doesn't say I can do all things when I pull myself with my own bootstraps, when I dig down real deep, real deep. I'll tell you what, how many of you have dug down real deep and come up with, with bupkis? Come on. At some point in your life, you're like, dig down deep, and you come up with zilch, nada, nothing. You're digging in the wrong place. The strength that you have comes from Christ. It doesn't come from your own willpower and your own strength. In 1968, in the Mexico City Olympics, there was a race, and one of the runners was named John Stephen Aquari, and he represented Tanzania. The race started, he started off pretty well, and then he took a really difficult fall, and he fell, and he tore up his knee, he dislocated the joint, okay, so it was like a joint was kind of dislocated, and nasty as it sounds. And in that race, he had a decision to make. Would he continue to go with a dislocated, bleeding leg? Or would he move forward? Rather than give up, he continued continued running. And he showed up at the finish line an hour after the winners. I'm going to show you the video. A little over an hour after Mama Walde crosses the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. 
A performance that gives true dignity to sport. A performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Amen. My country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Make the decision this morning. Don't wait. Make the decision this morning to finish the race. I know. I know it's hard. I know the course is long. And the pain sometimes feels unbearable. Finish it anyway. Finish it anyway. God did not send you and create you and put you in this world to start the race. God put you in this world to finish the race. I'm not just getting up here and getting all excited about, you know, I'm not thinking through what I'm saying. I know it's hard. I know you've been through such difficult experiences in your life. I understand what some of your families have put you through. I understand what the world has put you through. I understand the abuse you've taken. I understand that. What I'm going to say again is that you were not put in this world to start the race. You were put in this world to finish the race. Finish the race. As difficult as it may be, finish the race. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Get it? Get it? Good. Number three, keep the faith. The words translated kept means to keep guard over something, to defend something, to watch over something. I had, when I was younger, um, well, you know, 20 years ago, um, I had, I had Rottweilers and I really like Rottweilers and I was breeding Rottweilers for a little while and I bred one of my females to a male who had good papers but didn't, I didn't realize this, but years and years and years ago, they would breed Rottweilers to some larger breeds of dogs. Like, um, what are the dogs with the big, they jump in the water with the, St. Bernard's, thank you, St. Bernard's. Well, this one puppy, way back in his genetic line, was bred with a St. Bernard. Okay, because it was twice the size of the other puppies. Okay, and we named it Bear. And it didn't have Rottweiler fur, it had St. Bernard fur. Same color as a Rottweiler, but it was twice as big. It was a massive dog. It probably ended up weighing about 175 pounds when it was full grown. I sold it to a, a guy who was a construction worker, and he, he was actually owned a construction company, and he fenced in his big area, had all his tools and all his trucks and all his stuff in there, and he needed something to defend, to watch over his stuff. After Bear got full size, he called me and told me, no one touches my stuff. <laughs> because you've got to be out of your mind to go into a fenced-in area with a 175-pound Rottweiler Okay, that's the size of a dog even larger than that. God is telling each one of us, listen, this is my word. 
You need to defend my word. You need to watch over my word. You need to stand up for my word. You need to have the courage to fight and hold your ground. Paul's faith, Paul's faith was based based on his unwavering conviction. His trust in God was consistent throughout his entire spiritual life. That's what we need to be consistent. We need to have conviction in our lives. His faith was as solid the day that he died as the day he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It was consistent. He was he pushed forward. He built the kingdom of God. Paul lived to please God. He did not live to please this world. He stood uncompromising in the face of some of the most powerful rulers of his time. He stood uncompromising in his faith when he was attacked by mobs, violent mobs, when he was persecuted, when he was oppressed. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 2, it says, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in the face of strong opposition. We in our culture, in this country, face strong opposition. And what Paul is telling us, you need to have conviction. You need to defend. You need to protect. You need to hold on to. You need to be consistent. You cannot shrink back from what the word of God teaches, regardless of what anyone else says or how they try to make you feel. People who leave a legacy live sacrificially in their lives because they are, they are living out the word of God and they're living for something, they're living for something greater than themselves. Again, who do you want to be when you're an old woman or an old man on your deathbed? Live from end to beginning and your convictions will hold. If you live from beginning to end, you will waver, you will stagger, you will not hold out under all the pressure, under all the stress, under all the strain this world and the enemy is going to put on you. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it reminds us, again, listen to the words here. This is what you, this is what you chose when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. For I have been crucified with Christ. And I know Jeff Greer no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave me, who loved me and gave himself up for me. When you realize, listen, when you realize that in him you live and move and have your being, Acts chapter 17, verse 28, that you realize that in Christ you live and you move. You live and move through him and have your being. He becomes the legacy that you live. He becomes the legacy that you leave. If you want to live a legacy... If you want to leave a legacy, then you need to follow the example of Paul. This is not a game. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you became a servant of Jesus Christ. Your old self died, and now Christ lives in you, and you live out the word of God in your life. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And if you want to live a legacy, and if you want to leave a legacy, then you need to fight the good fight. You need to finish the race and you need to keep, you need to keep the faith. 
Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, I completely acknowledge how difficult this is to do. I completely acknowledge that I fall short in trying to live this out myself. And Lord, I acknowledge that all of us in this room fall short in trying to live this out. But Lord God, when we fall down, pick us back up. Let us pick up our sword. Let us fight, Lord God, to the very end. Let us fight the good fight, not just a fight. Let us fight the good fight. Let us finish the race that we started You designed us not to start a race, but to finish a race. You purposed us not to start a race, but to finish a race. And Lord, let us, let us finish that race. And may we keep the faith from oldest to youngest. May we have the strength and the courage and the character and the power of your son, Jesus Christ, working in us. So that when the pressure comes, we stand strong in you. God, we love you. And we acknowledge we can't do this on our own. We can only do it through you. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to grow in our faith so that we can be the people that you've designed and created us to be. Conform to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Get it? Good. Have a great week.